0: friend. My name is Amy Joy, and this is the Make Prayer Beautiful podcast. I was on a prayer call recently with my friend Paul Van Hosen, and he was praying about the importance of prayer, actually, which was an interesting kind of twist, I suppose. But one of the things that he reminded me, or I guess all of us on the call, was that... The famous evangelist, Charles Finney, had a prayer team. And this is so interesting to me. Like, how do people come up with these ideas? What makes them think, oh, I should try that, or I bet that that will work? So he had one or two men who would go the week before he was going to have an evangelistic campaign, and they basically just prayer walk the site. Or maybe they would be kind of face down, just crying out to the Lord on behalf of the Uh, situation there in that community. It would be like, Lord, we need you to show up in this place. We need your presence to go before us. Lord, we need um, you to, to, we need your spirit to come and shift. We need you to ready the hearts of the people. So he would just be praying this. And then um, when Charles Finney was doing his evangelistic campaign, the intercessors would be in the background again, face down, just like Lord, we're crying out to you. Keep the channels open between your voice and their ears. Lord, we ask that you would bless them with your presence. We ask that you would give them the, that they would repent and come to you for those who have been entrenched in sin, that there would be a shift. So he would pray and pray. And, uh, and that's awesome. It's very beautiful. And the, uh, but then what I found fascinating was after the inter, like the head intercessor died, Charles Finney tried one more evangelistic campaign and he was like, I'm not doing that anymore because there is no grace for it. There has not been the proper seeding of the ground. There has not been like preparing the soil for the, the seed to be sown there. The prayer is so lacking. It's not even worth doing. And so, at that point, I think he retired and became the president of Oberlin college or something. It was just interesting. And the, uh, I had another example in almost the same week I had been reading the book, George Mueller to my boys. And uh, i there's many George Mueller biographies. This particular one was the um, children's version for the, by the Benghies. Uh, and they talk about how at one point the Mueller's George and his wife, were going to go on a six-month tour of uh, Germany where, he was, where George Mueller was born. And he had care of orphans in Bristol, in England. There had been a terrible cholera ec- epidemic that had wiped out a lot of parents right around that time. And then that was also the advent when the social structures were kind of shut down in favor of putting people in poor houses where the conditions were just abominable. And so it was kind of a perfect storm of A need for a better social justice, perhaps we would say in modern terms. And so George Mueller opened orphanages there in Bristol. Well, in my mind, up until this last week, even though I have read this biography many times, he was like the orphan keeper. And I missed somehow that no, what he actually did was he hired people to run orphanages and he was more responsible for the fundraising, even though. You always hear of George Mueller, like he would never present the need. Instead, he would present the work and then kind of like the need was sort of implied. I'm not entirely sure how that worked, but anyway, there was a way where he could do it where it felt authentic to him. And so that's all good for him. But what I found fascinating. When he was getting ready to go on his six-month tour of Germany to, again, raise awareness about what was happening, and he had written a book, and so when he and his wife finally did leave, they would go and they would give books out, they would give tracks out, he would do speaking engagements. I mean, he, he would do something like, I don't know, 600 speeches a year, or maybe it was per tour, however long a tour would be, a year and a half maybe, but anyway, that was later in his life. But So he would just speak a lot, and he would give out a lot of books, and so part of that was just putting on display what God was doing in terms of providing for the orphans. But what I found fascinating is that he said, I need to pray in the finances that these orphanages need in order to run because I don't want the staff to have to do the heavy lifting of prayer at the same time that they are also trying to do the day-to-day operations. Now, for me as an intercessor and especially a workplace intercessor where we pray for businesses at workplaceprayer.com, it was so exciting to see this correlation that for George Mueller, like man of faith, George Mueller, that he said, I actually need to be the one who's praying because the workers need to be working. And it's not that he's saying like, don't bother praying at all, but it's more like, the heavy lifting of making sure that the donations have come in, of making sure that the hundreds or thousands of orphans have been fed, that responsibility rests on my shoulders as the intercessor. And so, I mean, you know, today it might be like, okay, well, we need to make sure that there's a team of intercessors who can do this work, and that would be really good. But it's, it's beautiful to be able to say, There is a place for intercessors that it is hard work. It's not something that you can do kind of, or you can't both be a super intentional intercessor and run a job. I don't think, I mean you can do, you can do both of them like at different times in your day. I'm not saying that business people shouldn't pray because I absolutely think that they should, but the kind of deep breakthrough intercession that is required, you can't do that simultaneously. And, or, or maybe you can. And if you figured out how you can let me know and I'll come and learn from you. Um, I'm not trying to be definitive here. It's more like in my experience, I have I have no idea how you would be able to do both of those things at the same time. And so, yeah, once again, it's really just to say prayer takes effort. It's It's intense, but it's also deeply meaningful. And so Jesus... I feel like so often these days I have the same prayer, which is just, Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, I ask that you would enlarge our hearts, that you would give us wisdom to be able to see what you're doing in this earth, that we can partner with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.